Welcome to this episode of Pen to Paper Press Podcast. I'm Cindy Coaches. There is a backstory weaved into each book. To explore the creative process, I'm sitting down with authors, writers, editors, publishers, and an array of creative souls to have a conversation centered around how they develop their stories to completing their works of art. Each episode is an opportunity for us to explore mindsets, pros of wisdoms, and the experiences that began our journey as an author from the moment we put pen to paper. Lisa Drennan is an empowerment mentor certified as an aroma cognitive behavior practitioner, a financial coach, and the host of Forgive the Girl Inside podcast. So yes, she is a podcast host. In February of 2021, she published her book, Forgive the Girl Inside, finding balance, freedom, and fun in your life. Lisa, it is wonderful to speak with you. Well, thank you for having me. You are... <laughs> it's, uh, it's an awesome podcast topic and getting the backstory of the author's view, the creator's view. No one really talks about that too much, do they? You're right. It It is a topic that doesn't get shared enough. Uh, the backstory why did we write the books that we we have written what is the key element that we want to share in in our books so you know forgiveness um your podcast is on forgiveness your book is about forgiveness it is a very very powerful topic and one that most of us would rather not pursue because forgiveness is a very delicate topic. When it comes to forgiving self or others, which do you feel is more important that we we look at? Good question. I think they're both important because if you, I did a word study. I love word studies, but words matter so much. Back in 2012, I did not understand what forgiveness meant. So I searched it. I got every piece of literature searched, you know, on the web, what books about forgiveness and forgiveness is misunderstood because so many people think that when you forgive, you have to forget, you have to have a relationship with that person, you have to let them back in your life. And it's, that's not true. Forgiveness is just releasing the hold that that person has on you. Usually when you're upset with somebody, you've had confrontation, you know, you go through this anguish inside your head, these thoughts swarm, you review the circumstance, the event that led up to that conflict. And why do you have to forgive? It releases you from that pain that you experienced that person hurt you. You may have trusted them, so they violated your trust. Mm-hmm. And now you guess upon yourself, you question what, why, where, when am I doing this and how am I doing it? And can I trust other people? And a lot of us, because we hold on to unforgiveness towards others, we don't trust, we'll transfer that unforgiveness to other people, especially if there's a trigger that says, oh, you remind me of that person, that situation. And then before you know it, we're treating this new person like this old person. And they're like, well, what's wrong with her or you know, him? <laughs> Underst- yes, understandable. Yeah. And forgiving, I struggled with forgiving myself. That's the forgiving the girl inside because I did not, the way I understood forgiveness I could not forgive myself. It was so raw and I was so intertwined 
with the circumstances that led up, I just continuously looked in the mirror, the power of mirror talk, beating myself up. Like, how could you? Who do you think you are? Why did you allow this to happen to you? And instead of looking at my situation from a third person, I saw me the total victim mode and I didn't deserve forgiveness. I deserved whatever I got because of what I did. It was my choices. So I finally came to understand why I believed that just the conditioning, the worldview, all the things that I learned while I was growing up, you know, you forgive seven times 70, you know, you have to forgive. And because I thought that forgiveness and forgetness were combined were the same thing, I knew I could never forgive myself. So it was a really, it was a long journey. It took me over three decades to realize, to understand that forgiveness and forgetting are separate. They're two different words. They mean completely different things. And that that forgiveness needs to be extended to others, but especially ourselves, Because when we can come from a point of view where we're showing love to ourselves, we can pour into ourselves and then pour into others. And we can be the servant heart leaders that we're called to be. Because we're all called to serve and to love. And we want love. And when we don't have love, we yearn for it. But when we don't appreciate who we are, we can't appreciate who others are. And And to me, it all begins with forgiving yours truly. I. I like how you added the the difference of forgiveness and forgetting because of the fact that you're right. The perception is if I forgive somebody, I'm forgetting about the situation or I'm forgetting what happened when that's not, that's not the case at all. And so since you brought up unforgiving or, uh, you know, unforgiveness, mm-hmm. is that what holds us back from, from reaching our potential and, and pursuing our purpose? It's definitely one of the things, a lot of things can hold <laughs> us back. I mean, mindset is the crux of all that we do. And it, it's really a connection with your head and your heart. If you think about thoughts and they come in and you allow them to, swarm inside your head they become an emotion that feeling and then you act upon it it's a head heart hand connection so when you captivate your thoughts and you really think about what you're thinking why do you believe what you're receiving is it true and kind of examining that and then recognizing the feelings so many of us are taught oh you know you can't have negative feelings well why not of course you're going to have negative feelings you you need to process all feelings there's no there's no feeling of discrimination right So, but most of us are trained not to cry, not to show, you know, like if anger is wrong, but no, you need to process those and accept it and ask yourself, why, why do I feel this way? And, you know, as a practitioner, we go into where in your body, do you feel it? And on a scale of one to 10, what's the intensity 10 being the most intense of how this is impacting you. And then you get a result. You can never go back and change your circumstances, but you can definitely change your perception of what had happened. And instead of focusing on all the negative stuff, which we're just naturally wired to do, Mm -hmm. flip it and focus on the positive. What was done for me because of that situation? What good came out of that? And when you can focus on the good, because in all things, everything happens for a reason. And when you experience something, 
if you can pick out one thing that happened that helps you grow, Mm -hmm. you can focus on that and you can change your whole perception of that event and that person. And, you know, it's, it's as simple as just saying, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And, you know, some people are really uncomfortable with the I love you part because yeah. our perception of love. And when you start getting into word studies and really thinking about words in their context and how they're used, love is a universal language, but you can have love for a child. You can have love for an animal, obviously a spouse or a significant other, you know, you can love an object and those different types of love can permeate different types of joy within your heart, you know, but some people will immediately go to love and think of a relationship with a significant other. Mm-hmm. So when they're in the practice, when I do aroma um, kinetics of sessions with people, and I use that as a hopohapana practice. Um, so Dr. Joe Batelli wrote about it in his book, Zero Limits. And it's a um, created by this doctor, um, Hawaiian doctor who used it in his practice and actually shut down the state hospital psychiatric ward because he just used it. He never came in contact with the clients. He just looked at their files and started saying this. And his belief was that in everything that we do and we experience, we have a part. So what's our part? So if we're continuously saying, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Mm -hmm. We're saying that for our part. I'm a Christian and it's one of the things that we do to accept Jesus Christ as our savior. So it just totally went into alignment with what I believe and saying you're sorry is that's it. It's just like, Hey, I'm sorry this happened. Like I can't control the circumstances, but what can we do to make this better? And that's a very common thing that we use it in the workplace and, you know, in a store, wherever we're out and about, Oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you because I am sorry that happened to you. It's a horrible experience. You know, what's going on in the world? I'm sorry that's going on. Mm -hmm. You know, and then you think, well, what's my part? You know, I, there's things I don't have control over, but maybe I can help because we're very automatically, we want to help. We're meant to live in community. So when you can have that mindset of how can I help and make this better? What can I do differently? Mm -hmm. It totally flips it instead of, Oh, so woe is me. I'm, I'm just, I'm all by myself and I'm, I'm so, I'm such a victim and I, nobody's here and I have no support. And that person, they did this and they did that. And they're, you know, and you list the adjectives describing this person in that negative way. And you feel differently. I mean, you can feel the energy in your body as you say negative stuff and your right. whole being becomes so angry and spews ugliness. And it makes you feel depressed and anger and and frustration, but it never stops because you're continuously feeding into it. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like that unhealthy coping mechanisms. Like you can't stop eating or drinking. You just want to feed into it. But then when you flip it, it takes a lot less energy to be happy and says, look, okay, what was the good that came out of that? This is what I can do differently. This is how I view it. And this is what I learned. And this is how I'm going to grow. And then, you know, I'm not, if that situation ever happens again, I'm not going to act the same way. I'm not going to respond. I'm going to respond differently. And I'm going to know, I may even avoid it altogether. So then you're not in that. I don't know if you know a lot of people, I'm sure you do. They get into the same types of situations over and over again. You know, they lose it. They can't keep a job. They can't stay in a relationship. You know, they can't stick to anything. Why is that where other people are so successful? It all has to do with your mindset. It all has to do with how you're receiving information and whether you decide you get to choose. Do I want to forgive and move on? 
Or do I, I want to be bitter and hold a grudge and let that eat away at me? You're <laughs> in, in studying, you know, the whole different aspects of forgiveness and, and all the research that you did for yourself. And then putting it together in in book and and to utilize it as a way to help others you know through coaching through your podcast was it difficult when it came down to writing you know the the elements about you in the book was it hard for you because you ended up finding yourself back in those places or were you able to separate yourself in that writing process of those different elements? Combination of both. I was scared to death to write the book. The book was not a thing. <laughs> I had met with an author's coach to get an outline for my program and I was really niching down and moving into online coaching in August of 20. And I was um, studying to become the practitioner for the aroma um, cognitive behavior. And I wanted to create a program that would really help women heal. Okay. And having, um, being pregnant three times before age 17 to ended in abortion was really my story. Not, I swear I would never tell. And that's the chapter. That's the crux of the whole book. The main center of the book I made a declaration at age 16. There's no way I was so full of shame and so guilty and just felt so horrible, even though it was my choice. I mean, I wasn't forced into it. It was kind of like, you know, being told what to do and doing it. So when the coach outlined my story based on, okay, how can we heal from this? It's emotional healing. Everyone's gone through emotional trauma. I was also molested from the ages of three to seven. And I had healed from that and gone through the forgiveness process through another program that I had did when I was 24 years or 26 years old. So combining all of these tools that I used to create this program and the coach looked and he said, you have a book. I go, no, I don't have a book. What are you talking about? Because you need to share your story because it's powerful because no one talks about it because you need to share it. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not sharing this book. Are you crazy? <laughs> And I kind of sat on it for a couple of months. And then I was just like, oh my goodness, I can write a book. I can help so many. It's the outreach, you know, and thinking about, you know, getting out of that, I call it my tunnel vision, stepping away from that tunnel vision and looking at the, the aspect of, wow, I can reach women worldwide who are turning to people pleasing, self-sabotage, unhealthy coping mechanisms because they're dealing with something. I didn't even know until January of 19 that the reason why I was such a hot mess <laughs> was because of the abortions. I, and I kept digging. I was in counseling from 1986 until uh, 2013. I had gone for counseling. I read every book. I was just angry. My favorite movie, one of my favorite movies is Inside Out. And I identify with the character Disgust and Anger. Oh, yeah. And and those two characters, I mean, that was my personality. I mean, I wore black all the time. I was spewing. I would flip people off. I would start fights all the time. And I have, I, I have a lot of triggers and my husband is, a, takes a blunt end of those triggers because like, if I'm really sad and I'm, I'm so used to bearing my feelings and turning to overeating, over drinking, over spending, that it was just my natural thing. And then I would go off on these yelling tangents and I didn't know why. 
And then when I started discovering it, my, my journey started with, you know, realizing who I am and how I respond and then giving thanks and recognizing that I could be thankful and grateful instead of focusing on this negative. But why was I like this? Why was, what was triggering me and what was setting me off? And why was I overeating, over drinking when I was, I was self-sabotaging for no reason. I couldn't figure it out. So when I finally figured it out in January of 19, I was able to come to terms with it. And I said, I forgave myself, but I didn't believe it. And I didn't, Mm, there was a trust issue that I had. Yeah. I had a trust issue. I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust anybody around me. And I certainly didn't trust God. And because of that, I wasn't able to move forward, but I didn't still didn't know why. So, you know, from 2013 to 2021, I did a lot of soul searching and, and reading and discovering, you know, and understanding did a word study on trust and understood why I didn't trust. It was just because so many people had betrayed me and I was holding on to that. And instead of processing those thoughts, I buried them and I refused to visit those feelings and, and work through them. So when I started, I started journaling and writing about how I actually felt and even know what emotion was until inside out came out. I was like, Oh, these are feelings. Okay. And, uh, you know, people used to tell me you were your feelings on your sleeve. I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what that means because I don't the only feelings I expressed were anger and disgust. So, and even when I was happy, I was like angry, happy. It was weird. So when I started, I call them my brain dumps. I would set my timer for 30 minutes and at the top of my paper, I would just write whatever was bothering me. I would just write all the things about it. And it was so therapeutic. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I took to journaling every night and now I celebrate my wins and I do my gratitude and all that. And it's amazing how much healing you get, but until you reveal, you don't heal. So revealing is healing. What we conceal keeps us encaged. We're just trapped And it's like this, you know, people, you'll hear women especially say, oh, I feel like I'm on a hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. Get off the hamster wheel. Like you have the power within you to stop doing what you're doing. Why do you keep doing it? You know, we all know the definition of insanity. Why do you keep going back and doing it? So I've gotten into the habit of um, every year in January, I go back through all my journals and I look for common words and I look at the growth and I look at like, okay, what do I want to work? And I work on this year and I have a one word. Um, that I choose that I've done since 2014. So this year it's wisdom. Last year it was growth. I saw so much growth in 2021. I kept pivoting from what I was supposed to do in my coaching business to helping women with health and diet, to finances, to starting their own business. And I knew something was missing, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I'm like, what is missing? So of course I connected with coaches, hired coaches and like mindset work went through mm-hmm. that deep dive and then stepped into my purpose, helping women, courageous women, they have to be courageous women post-abortion to trust their intuition again, without external validation, using the power of therapeutic cognitive aroma, cognitive behavior. And the reason why it's so powerful is because it's connecting that scent with that breath work and processing those emotions, good or bad happy or sad, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to ignore the fact that we're scared or we're angry or frustrated in any aspect of our life. We're going to go through it. We're going to work through it. So I have the seven deep flip strategy that does that. And the first thing we do is it's called stir. So we look at the, the acronym stir S T I R. So it's looking at, um, stop 
realize you need to process your feelings, think about what you're feeling, identify with it, and then recognize where in your body you're feeling this and how intense is it. And then once you can recognize that, then you can figure out what to do with it and writing down like what happens if I continue to do what I'm doing. We have the answer in our head, but writing it down, the power of pen and paper is huge. And then asking yourself, what happens if I do something differently? And this is powerful to do when you're thinking about future things. Like I know a lot of women who want to leave their jobs, but they're afraid. Well, what are you afraid of? Or, you know, some clients I've worked with are afraid of losing a loved one. I worked with a client who was afraid that her husband was going to get killed on the way to work. That's intense. She couldn't sleep at night. She was petrified. So we did a session through it and now she's not afraid. You know, what happens? Prepare yourself for it. And, you know, our mind is so intricately designed. And when you could, it has no difference between reality and um, what's the opposite of reality? I want to say fantasy. (laughs) Fantasy or reality, right? Our brain doesn't know the difference. So when we could, you know, think about what we're thinking about and look at it from both angles and then choose which one we want to pursue, Mm -hmm. that's going to help us prepare for those emergencies, for those things that come up, for those days that our energy is low, we're not able to pursue something because maybe you didn't get enough sleep, you didn't eat properly, like all of these factors are controlling us and how we're going to respond to things. And it all starts with what you're receiving in your thoughts. Yes. Yeah, it does. And interesting, I, I, I like your acronym for, uh, or the meaning behind STIR. Stop, think, identify, recognize. That's, that's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and your word study, you know, going through and, and finding a word and determining what it means and what it means mainly for you that I'm sitting here wondering, you know, what would I discover if I did that on a particular word? And it's really interesting because my assumption is, is what you find out is the meaning that you thought it had, it's not the same value when you actually dig in to find out what is the power behind that word? What is the meaning that you put into that word and how you interpret it? So I think that's an interesting process for, for self-discovery. And mm. <laughs> one of the things that I have, one of the sayings I've had for years is your words have power and your story matters, but your words have power. And we forget that because it's easy to say, oh, I hate going to work on Monday. Well, Mm -hmm. hate is a pretty strong word, you know, Mm -hmm. and when you're really looking at what, what is it that you dislike? Is it, is it a dislike? Is it, is it really hate or, you know, what is the emotion tied to it and, and so forth. So when you're looking at the, the actual energy, the power in the word, such as what you have done with, you know, sabotage and trust and, and wisdom and, and, you know, the other words that you have shared. Wow. (laughs) 
<laughs> that would make a huge difference, not only in the mindset, but how we speak to ourselves, because then it's like, whoa, wait a minute, do I really want to say that to me? <laughs> and yeah, there are days when we look in the mirror and, you know, say not so nice things. But uh, that that's another road for another day. <laughs> Yeah, it's a whole new topic. It's a whole new topic. And you know, and I have to admit, you know, 15 minutes prior to uh, us logging on to this, uh, this conversation, you know, a bit of panic came through me about the topic of forgiveness. It's, it's a topic I, you know, I've had many people in my life that I I almost said I've had to forgive. No, there are many people in my life I chose to forgive. Mm-hmm. And, and again, there's that power on words. How do, we, how do we really feel about it? And there are some things that I still have issues with in regards to forgiveness. And so I'm sitting here going, okay, she's a podcast host she knows what she's doing. She's comfortable here. I'm going to sound like a complete dingling because of the fact that I am so nervous and I have uh, edited out (laughs) some of the things that I did when trying to, well, not trying to stumble through the beginning of the introduction of the podcast. So forgiveness is one of those topics that is for me, again, one of those challenging things as it is for many individuals. And so thank you for one, Lisa, making this an easier topic to talk about than I was anticipating, because it's not an easy topic. And, and like I said, at the beginning, it is something that a lot of us would rather not pursue we just it it's like forget it nope leave that behind if I don't if I don't see it it's out of mind I don't have to deal with it and walk away well that that doesn't work because it always comes back it does come back and it it comes back in ways unexpected and a lot of times it comes back through our physical well-being Yes. And there's going to, there's always a trigger. And when we can be totally in tuned with what we're thinking and look for those triggers and you don't even have to look for those triggers, you can feel them. Yes. But what I found, I didn't take me time until 2014 when my youngest was like 12 years old, he's 24 now. And I went through, you know, high achiever. I was working full time. I had a part-time gig. I volunteered. I did all kinds of stuff. I, I cooked seven course meals every single day, baked every single day. And I drove myself crazy. And I remember my mom telling me, you're going to, you're burning the candle at both ends. You need to slow down. You need to take care of yourself. And I'm like, take care of myself. What does that even mean? And when I started incorporating me time, I really started to to stop and think, wait a minute. And I even went on um, strike and I stopped cooking all these fancy meals and baking and everything and started taking care of myself and noticed a huge difference and the way I communicated with people, I was no longer afraid to share my voice. And the one thing I hear a lot about forgiveness is I refuse to forgive. Oh, yes, yes. And that, I, I hear that too. I hear that too. And then I hear the reason behind it. And 
I've heard it across platforms in different, you know, scenarios. And I always think you're only hurting yourself. I know what you experienced is totally hurtful and you no longer feel trusted or, you know, you're obviously feeling betrayed. There's a lot of bitterness when people refuse to forgive. You can just hear the bitterness in their heart. Mm -hmm. And that is one thing, like, it's a trigger for me because I never refused to forgive. I just didn't understand the meaning. And I think when somebody says, I refuse to forgive, it's because they don't get what it means. And, oh, no, I'm not going to forgive that person because that means they come back in my life. They get to hurt me again, you know, fill in the blank. And that is the misconception. And again, if you could separate those two, you can have a totally different perception. So I'll challenge the listeners to do that (laughs) is to (laughs) pick one person you want to forgive, just choose to forgive. And the other misconception is you have to tell that person. No, they never have to know it is not for them. It's for you. And there's something in your, in your mind that clicks when you say, I forgive you, fill in the name, the person's name. It's almost like a boulder comes off your shoulders and it just, it doesn't, you're going to get triggers. You're going to get reminders, mm-hmm. but it, it's different. It, it's not, it doesn't dominate. It doesn't put you in that spiral and that dark place and that angry place. And as, and the more you go through, you experience it. Like I have no hateful feelings towards the person I was with when I was pregnant three times, you know, my mom did some things to me. Um, total forgiveness. Like there's no, my molester, total forgiveness. Like they don't affect me in a negative way whatsoever. It's I'm neutral. And when you can be in neutral, if you can be in the present moment, and this is where you're supposed to be and just be neutral, it's, it's peace. It's joy. It's freedom. I like that. It's peace. That was your first word that you said. It's peace. It is being able to, to feel that is it's it's like an exhale it's like you just feel everything just kind of relax and and it just lets that burden just kind of ease oh what's really funny okay so before I you know sit down with an individual I write out a just a couple of questions and it's really interesting because this is what I wrote we write about the things we have firsthand knowledge of with the intent to help others that are two steps behind us because that's what for most of us that are guides now let me reword that for those of us that are guides or coaches that have the intention of helping others it's the person that's two steps behind us that we're intending to help because we've been there. We're familiar with the terrain and we can't sit idle by, you know, watching them stumble and, and fall where we did. And so that becomes part of why we do what we do in, in guiding the person forward. So it's interesting because I wrote for you, if you don't mind, what was the pivot point where you reached out for help? And it actually sounds like it was when you made the decision for yourself that I don't want to be this the way I am right now. 
is that is that accurate or or am i like poof, way off base on that one? <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty accurate. In in nineteen, you know, in nineteen eighty six, I started going to counseling. I was eighteen years old. I was angry and frustrated, and I knew I needed help, but I wasn't quite sure what I needed help from because I came from such a dysfunctional family, and I was with this man that was a gaslighter, narcissist, had a lot of control over me. My mom was controlling, he was controlling, and I, I wanted to be my own person, but I wasn't quite sure. And in the counseling journey, I got really frustrated because I'm an avid reader and they would all tell me like after they did the family history, they would tell me to go read books and I didn't really get the help. I talked a lot about the situation in a safe place with a third party, which was fantastic, Mm -hmm. Um, but it didn't really get any resolution. And every single time I switched counselors, I would start all over again and it would be very frustrating to me. So in 2013, after just keeping going through this same cycle over and over again I locked myself in my bathroom and cried out to God and I said enough I can't take this anymore this is you know and I literally cried into my pillow and my bathroom was my safe place just to kind of be by myself with you know raising a family and all of that and the next day I woke up and um someone had suggested a book in both camps 1000 gifts dare to live life differently. And I got it, read it. And it was a challenge and I love challenges. And the challenge was to write down 10 things a day that you're thankful for. And the reason why, and I was like, okay, I'll do it. And you had to do it up to a thousand. So one morning I was walking, it was a cold wintry day and it was six 30 in the morning. I don't like winter. And I was walking my two dogs down the road because the snow was so high. And I was like fretting and like thinking, okay, I got to go back in. I got to write my 10 things I'm thankful for. What am I ever going to be thankful for today? And, um, as I was walking down the road, the street lamps were on and the snow, it was just a really calm morning and the snow was falling and in the lights that had captured, it, it looked like diamonds and it was <gasps> so beautiful. beautiful. And I looked at it and I looked down the street and I saw this blanket of white snow, like untouched, glistening like diamonds all around me. And I thought, wow. That is beautiful. So I wrote about that and I thought if I could be thankful for something that I totally despise and see its beauty in that way, then I could be thankful for a lot of things. So I started giving thanks for a sink full of dirty dishes because I had a family to care for and piles of laundry because we had clothes on our back and, you know, the electricity the other day we lost it, you know, and when the power goes out and, you know, just appreciating it. I read once a long time ago, if you woke up thankful for everything you gave thanks for the night before, what would you wake up with? And that made a big impact on me. So it's like, well, I'm thankful for, you know, all these things and, and things <laughs> we take for granted, like, you know, our, our, our senses and, you know, the ability to do things, you know, like I've had a couple of surgeries this past in the last 12 months and I was limited, you know, and I needed help. And I was like, I don't want to be limited. I want to be able to do things myself and to be thankful for being able to be independent. So you can really get, and I know when I I challenge my coaching clients to do 10 things, to do the challenge and they won't do it. No, 10 things. I can't do that. That's way too many. (laughs) Challenge yourself because in your mind, you can do it if you choose to. And there's so many things to be thankful for. There is, there is. And again, that's that mindset and that self-talk. And where do we want to be sitting in in victimhood or in gratitude? 
So when it came to writing the first draft, the first draft is usually like more or less a brain dump. It's it's us just putting yeah. all sorts of garbly goo down on pages and and hoping that they kind of sort of make sense when we go back to edit. So then when you went back to edit the book, did you find things that was like, wow, I wrote that and and have it be those glimpse of wow, I've really grown through the writing of this book. I did. I edited so many times. I can't even count. Um, I, when I first wrote it, it wasn't about me. It was about the people involved. And it was a lot of blaming and shaming. And a lot of the hurt came out with the relationship. So I had to process all of that. And then, you know, kind of get, and I kept, you know, telling myself, okay, this is my story. I don't want anybody in it. And I was very limited to who I did share about. Like, you know, I talk about my mom. I talk about my, I don't really mention my dad too much. Um, and I definitely don't mention um, the father at all. I, maybe once, I don't know. I think maybe once, but not in name. And I really just wanted it to be my viewpoint and my story. And when I stepped into my niche, working with women post-abortion, it's like, each and every one of us who has this experience has a different story. There's no, nothing is alike. We're each so unique. And the reason why it doesn't really matter. There's no judgment. You know, there's no, there's a safe place to be able to talk about these things, but what's our, why? Like a lot of us, when we're hurt, we want to blame. We want to, we want to put it on somebody else. We don't want to take responsibility for our own actions so as I was writing the story and doing the edits, I weaved all that out and saved it because I know it's going to be another book. And um, using that to, to realize in relationship purposes, we there, it takes two to tangle. Yes. And everything you do, you have to be a part of a conversation in order to have a conflict. And what is that conflict and how can I resolve it? And yeah, we're going to mess up. We're going to make right. mistakes. But giving yourself grace and forgiveness and saying, okay, so I messed up. But some people, you know, like when the other person refuses to forgive you or refuses to let it go and they keep bringing it up over and over again, it's exhausting. And then you get another choice. Do I want to have this person in my life or do I want to cut it off? We get to repel what we don't want and receive right. what we do. And it's all that matter. And I think the power of writing and doing the brain dump when we are beginning our books is so helpful in our own healing even in, don't matter what the genre of the book is, because you can still, I mean, even the stories, you know, I, I have a lot of friends that are authors and some of them write stories of long ago, um, you know, of 18, 18th, 18th century type of stories, right? Love stories, love battle stories. And there's a lot of research involved in books. I totally respect authors oh, yes. with the research because I don't think people understand, like you need to, when you're writing details about different, you've got to go find all that dig all that out and write about it accurately, you know, but a part of that, like, why do they choose to write that? It's a part of their story. It intertwines with their thought process and, you know, the late, the things that they had to do before they can even get to that point. There's so much involved and so much of our own personality comes out in our stories. Yes. But when you want to get that message across to the reader, like, what is my overlap? What is the over? I can't even think of that word right now. The, the overall message, oh, overall okay. message. What? How do I want to connect heart to heart with my reader? Mm -hmm. What's the core center of my message? And when they finish this book, how do I want them to feel? What do I want them to get out of it? What can they do to help themselves 
to get to the next step so they can be courageous, so they can forgive themselves, so they can heal from their past mistakes, you know, whether it be from abortion or sexual trauma or, you know, alcoholism, whatever. I mean, you can fill in the blank. There's so much Mm -hmm. that we go through and we don't forgive ourselves, you know, and some people focus on like the huge, the big trauma pieces, right? But what about the little traumas? Like not getting that good grade or not getting um, that job promotion or not, you know, getting that soulmate, you know, just watch this as TV show, a comedy TV show. You'll see a lot of the, the stories in there about, Oh, well, I'm mad at my sister because she stole my boyfriend. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting how, um, yeah, those things are, are common in, in the, in the TV's, uh, series. Yeah. Um, so when it came to publishing it was was the book first or was the podcast first because they have the the same type the book was first Mm -hmm. and so then with the podcast is that like information from the book or is it just simply an expansion of the book it's an expansion of the book. I, I was doing a YouTube channel um, just under my name and sharing interviews. When I wrote the book, I decided to interview women that, you know, chose to forgive themselves. And it ended up being just promotional stuff where entrepreneurs were coming on and talking about their business. And I w- wasn't creating, I wanted to, my goal was to have an episode every Tuesday and I wasn't able to get guests. I kind of ran out. I was hurrying. And my son uh, graduated from UB as a video media person. He's like, mom, you should do a podcast. Everyone's listening to him. I'm like, I don't even know what a podcast is. <laughs> <laughs> so he helped me, you know, I started listening to podcasts and he helped me get set up. And uh, I put a thing out there and got 253 people. I was like, whoa, <laughs> everybody wonderful. has a story of forgiveness. So I went through a lot of the interviews and it, 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 some of them, you know, like I don't edit, I don't like to edit my videos. I figure we're all real people. And if we mess up, we mess up. I've, I've edited a couple of things, but it's, it takes so much time. But some of the women that I interviewed, I'm, I'm moving to season two effective in June. So um, some of the women I interviewed would tell a little, little tiny tidbit of their story of forgiveness. And then they wouldn't give you enough details to make you feel connected. I had one woman who was also an author who she has the most downloads. She had, I think there was like last time I looked, there was, um, she was the number one person that the most watched videos, but she also promoted it as well, but she has a powerful story. I cried listening to her story. Like she brought me to tears and I told my guests, this is what I want you to do. I, our audience wants to connect with you. They don't care about your business. When they connect with you, they're going to want to work with you. And right. I can't seem, to, I, I've been seemed to be blocked. Like people, and I can get anyone to talk, but I think in that platform, they're so intrigued with this. So I posted most of the, vid- I mean, all the videos are posted. Um, I still have four more left in season one. And most of them are about, the struggles that we have as a mom working as an entrepreneur and how we had to forgive ourselves to not be selfish, to take me time. So that's kind of like the general message of all of them. And I thought, okay, I need to do something differently. How do I really get to the core matter? How do I get these women to talk? So 
in May, I'm going to be doing a podcast blast called Sharing the Secret, and it's women sharing their stories of post-abortion miscarriage and loss of a child. So okay. I have I have 15 guests signed up. Um, we're recording in April, and we'll post a day every day in May. And um, in June, I'm going to be doing season two, and I'm going to be doing themes. So it's evolving around Forgiving the Girl Inside. But I really want the guests, I'm only going to be doing four a month. I really want the guests to bear their soul. <laughs> I really want to hear their heart-centered stories of what forgiveness means, how they applied it in their lives. And it's, you know, not the nitty gritty details of the hurt, but just that emotion that connects us to one another so that others can truly know that forgiveness isn't forgetting, but it is a process. And um, some of the women that are sharing in the month of May, they have beautiful, powerful stories, you know, and I could probably interview them on different relationships. Mm -hmm. um, and they just have an incredible story to share of how they implemented their own forgiveness journey so that they can move forward, so they can move mountains. <laughs> so they can move mountains. Oh, I, what a, yeah. <laughs> and we do that with story, through our story, whether it's written or verbal. Um, it's how we learn. It's how we build community. It's, it's how we grow and, mm -hmm. and expand our knowledge. You know, the, the whole process of story is not just to entertain it's right. to teach and mm -hmm. what better way than hopefully by hearing the story you don't follow you know you don't go down that same hurtful path that they did that you learned the lesson through them and don't feel that you need to dabble in it too unless it's something really fun <laughs> yeah. but but the life lessons you know um we, I grew up with a, a great uncle who worked on the car ferries and on the railroad and, you know, the stories he used to tell and, and they always had a meaning behind them. It wasn't just, uh, yeah, we did X, Y, Z. It was, there was a, a purpose behind it. And that's a, that's a good storyteller. And I, I thank you so, so very much for, you know, sitting down with me again. Forgiveness is not an easy topic um, for a lot of people, self-included. I would like to be better at it, of course, and anyone. I'm, I'm pretty good at forgiving others. It's mm -hmm. the girl in the chair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or as you say, the girl inside. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. And I think there's a lot of people who will resonate with that, that aspect and having taken, taken the courage and, and whatever inspired you and motivated you to keep going from writing it down to saying, okay, I'm going to convert this to a book. And then going through the process because going through the process of writing editing um then promotion and and publishing all of that each step has its own challenge and it's not you know it it drives me crazy to hear these individuals say oh you know write a book in 30 days and and be a bestseller 
Well, how do they become, yeah, it doesn't happen that way if you've got content that is going to connect with your audience. Mm -hmm. Because if you're trying to sell a secret, of course, everybody wants the secret, but are you actually giving them the secret if you're not included in that? And if you're included in that, it takes longer to, to write it because you're, when you put your heart and soul in something, it takes time. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the, the, the process and for you to have gone through that. And, and again, like I was saying, you know, for you to have that motivation and that inspiration and that courage to keep going, you know, I, I applaud you because your journey has not been an easy one. You're mm-hmm. not writing about how to grow tomatoes in your garden. You're writing about deep core stuff and how you got to the other side. And, and you're providing tools that somebody else can implement. And to share that, you know, for you, it's got to feel so good to know that you've helped that one person just get through the day, you know, um, and then to be able to provide tools for, for so many, um, just knowing that you help somebody has, has got to feel really good <laughs> and warm your heart. Do you hear back from a lot of people in in what they what they've experienced and and their gratitude for you putting yourself out there where a lot of people I'm I'm not sure I could put myself out there like you have and say all right this happened to me it sucked I survived it and this is how I did it (laughs) (laughs) putting that quite quickly (laughs) yeah I've heard from a lot of people people I didn't even expect to get my book bought my book and and um you know, shared with me how it affected them. And they had no idea. People thought that I was this perfect person who had no worries and all put together. And, you know, they shared their viewpoint. And after they read my story, they're like in awe of how I was so brave to share it. And I'm actually, um, I'm working on launching a um, not-for-profit. I say I'm the founder of Divine Timing Ministries, um, which officially has a board. And we're working on, we have a, um, a help statement in a mission statement, we're working on our bylaws right now, and we hope to open up the first center in the end of December in our local community, praying about whether or not it should go online, be an online platform, um, but it's just a safe place for women post-abortion to come and to hear and to, and to share their stories, to share their struggles. Because so many women who have post-abortion, they don't realize the effect that has physically and emotionally mentally on their bodies, mm-hmm. even, even if it's your choice. I mean, some women have abortions because they're forced to, because their spouses don't want babies, you know, they're petrified. They're not, then they themselves are suicidal and don't have the mental capability of caring for a child. And there's a lot of fear involved with being, you know, in an unplanned pregnancy. And when you make that choice, especially um, I found for Christians who make that choice, there's so much guilt And, you know, it's such a burden to bear and everyone is different. And it's so a lot of people that I've connected with, they're like, you can't tell anyone because you have your pro-lifers and then your pro-choicers and either way, they're not going to support you. So my whole thing is, why do I need their support? 
I did it. You And what I've learned is that every single one of us has done something that we're not proud of. And what I was shocked about is like, I've had women 70, 80 years old tell me, oh, I read your story and I had an abortion. And my perception of that was, you're how old? Like, you didn't do that back then. <laughs> you're talking the 50s. Not that didn't happen. No, it's been happening a long time. But that's how many years we've buried our secrets. And if you look at the way these people present themselves, they're very strong. They're very, they're very career oriented. They're very helpful. They're very giving. And a lot of it has to do with, because, you know, they're hiding from this, not that people who are givers are hiding from something, but it's just the way that we, like, for me, it was the way I want you to perceive me. If you knew my deepest, darkest secret, you would think I was crap and you wouldn't want to connect with me. I mean, I can, I looked in the mirror every day and called myself a murderer and so that's how I acted, you know, and how, how does one act? And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, visualization of how do I want to be? I know what I don't want to do, but what do I want? To, what does Lisa want? And the first time my mentor, I connected with the mentor in 2014, you can do this on your own, but it's going to take you over three decades. Like it took me in 2014, I connected with a mentor and he asked me two questions. What does Lisa want? If Lisa can have anything in the world, what does she want? And I wanted peace. And the second question he asked was, well, how are you going to get that? Mm. I was clueless. What do you mean? How am I going to get that? You know, so he would, I was going through an interview process and I, I was assigned a woman mentor who was very much in alignment with my values, my, my um, abilities and things like that, you know, and she told me after, I mean, we, we had an intense relationship. I worked with her for six months for um, four hours a week. And at the end of the six months, she told me, she goes, you're going to be doing this and helping other women. I'm like, yeah, right. No way. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to do this. I didn't, I didn't trust women. Okay. So I don't know how I was going to work with women, you know, and here I am and uh, I'm helping women because we are, we have this expectation put on us. You know, we're supposed to be all these things, but we never stop and say, what does Lisa want? Fill in your name. What do, do you want? Right. And how do you want to get it? And that was so powerful for me to make that shift and just put my foot down and say, you know what? And the external validations, the demands, well, you need to, oh, you're selfish and you need to do this. You need to do that. Says who? Why do I believe that? It's not true. And where do these beliefs come from? And our, our, our inner child knows our inner girl knows, like we know what we want. You know, for me, I get a pressing on my heart when I know it's in alignment with what I want. And when it's not in alignment, I get uncomfortable. I get like this flare on the back of my neck and like, there's certain people I'll come in contact with and I'll be like, like something's off here. And before I would ignore it. And I would say, Oh, I would look in the mirror literally and just say, it's me. Like it's me. Like sometimes with my aroma cognitive behavior sessions, I give 20 minute sessions for free. So anyone out there, lisadrennan.com, um, it's powerful. It can be done without sense, but it's so much more powerful with sense. And I get shifts, huge shifts from people. Thank you so much. I read your book. I, you know, it's in the book. You can sign up to get a freebie. I, you know, so they sign up and they get a freebie like, oh, I love this so much. I never hear from them again. Like they don't get more sessions. And I'm like, well, maybe it's me. Maybe. So I have to process that with my coach. And it's not about me. It's about them. They're scared. They're whatever. They're not ready. They're so not when we ready, can transfer yeah. that away from, you know, when you can take your eyes off of everyone else and just 
draw a circle and stand in the center of it, how can I change? How can I receive? You give yourself more time and energy to work with the people you're meant to work with so that you can do what you're meant to do. So I love when my readers tell me I've made an impact on them. If that's the only thing they ever do is read that book and it may, and they do some of the practices in the book, that's, they're going to leave a beautiful legacy. If they go further and they want deeper healing, they can connect with me or another coach that's in alignment with them. That's going to help them. But we're not meant to live this life focused on negative, focused on unforgiveness, focused on the, the bad stuff. We're meant to live and to flourish and to, and to live in abundance. We're meant to enjoy every moment because tomorrow's not promised. And if right. you think about how important our breath is, the breath of life, it can be taken in a minute. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think of the loved ones that you've lost unexpectedly, you have no idea when your last breath is going to be and really appreciating, you know, that God breathes life into us and you're here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. Like, how are you going to shine? And if you wake up every day, thanking God for the breath of life and moving forward and saying, how am I going to shine today? What am I going to do to live in the moment? We don't need to live in the past. The past is done and it's gone. We can't do anything about it. Connect with it, learn from it and grow but be in the now and know where you want to go. What do you want? How do you want to make a legacy? I want to leave a beautiful legacy for my family, for women. I want people to know that they're empowered to do great things. They have beautiful gifts and talents that they can go and make an impact and they can do whatever they want. The only limits they have are the ones that they put on themselves. (laughs) Yeah. And I really like circling back to drawing a circle around yourself. And what do I want? And it's when you were talking about um, about that aspect and and not doing things because of the expectation of others or following um, what I was also getting out of that because I feel that there's change coming for me uh, entrepreneurial wise and I've been looking at okay well you know they're doing this and they're doing that and I'm doing this and wait a minute this person is now doing the same thing I'm doing well I'm going to take that as a compliment because they mm-hmm. you know they're under the impression it's working for me yay good I'm, I'm glad you know and I'm a non-competitive person. So I look at it as, as, you know, go for it. You know, you're, Mm. you will attract the people that resonate with you who probably may or may not resonate with me. The hard part is, is when somebody is doing the same thing you are, you know, well, I'm going to put it back on me because I'm talking about me. It, what's really hard is when I, when I bust cheeks to do something, And then somebody comes along and says, oh, great idea. And then runs with it and they succeed. I, again, I'm not a competitive person. You know, I wish you well, enjoy your journey, have fun with it, do what you're doing. But still, I look at the mirror and want to say, what? (laughs) 
<laughs> Why can't you make this happen? <laughs> you know, really? <laughs> They're doing it. Why can't you? You know, what's wrong with you? So again, that comes back to that self-sabotage. And so when you were talking about the circle and basically like not looking out, not, you know, just kind of putting that bubble around yourself and looking at self and going, okay, Cindy, what do you want? How do you see it? And I don't know, something kind of shifted when you were talking about that, that that's what I need to do is really sit down and not be under the impression of, I got to do it this way. I got to do it that way. Oh, somebody is making this succeed. Maybe I need to follow what they're doing because we do follow as entrepreneurs, we fall into that trap of, Ooh, let's follow this lead. They're, they're succeeding. Can I get on that, on that train too? Or, Ooh, that looks like fun. And so all of a sudden you see these different trends of people doing different things because we think, ooh, they must know the secret. And, mm -hmm. and when we're doing that, what are we doing? We're looking at them. We're, we're looking at that other person. We're not looking at ourselves and saying, is that really what I want to do? Mm -hmm. And that's and it's where, so important to be in alignment. It is. I wholeheartedly agree with you there. And that's not always easy especially when we've got that self-sabotaging talk, you know, going, Cindy, mm -hmm. what? What are you doing? <laughs> Why are you not succeeding at X, Y, and Z? <laughs> yeah, but then you had like, so yeah, and I mean, one of the techniques I do with my clients is, well, define success. And if you visualize what you want to do, and then you go after it, I, we reverse engineer it. So in my program, it's a customized program for each individual because we're all different. We're all going to respond differently. Oh yeah. So what yeah. is it you want to do? So if you go into my signature program in 12 months, where do you want to be? And I'll put the date down. Like, you know, today's what March 8th, where do you want to be on March 8th of 2022? And then think about in all aspects of your life, in your family and your friends, your relationships, right? Your job, your career, your fitness, emotional, physical, um, your faith, your finances, finance is a huge one. You're fine. Like, you know, do you want to travel? Do you want to do this? Where, where do you see yourself? And if you start thinking about it and you start building, you're kind of like building a house, right. And you're visualizing, like, this is where I want to be. And I had, I wanted to in, in 20, I, so I just retired December 31st of 21. I had it on my vision board that I was retiring regular retirement, June 30th of 2024. In January of 21, I went on a surgery and stayed home, went back to work. I thought, oh, I had to have another surgery, went out August 4th. And I thought it would be so awesome not to be, you know, not to have to go to work and to go into coaching full time. And I was talking to a coach friend. She's like, well, you don't know. You might be able to do that. And I'm like, there's no way. I could not see it. I couldn't figure it out. And this is where we get ourselves in trouble. We convince ourselves that we can't figure it out. We don't understand the logistics of it. So therefore, it's not going to happen. You don't have to understand the logistics. You just need to know what you want. What does Lisa want? And how to get there, right? And then you reverse engineer it and you take the steps one step at a day. And then every day, celebrate your wins. This worked. Oh, I love podcasting. This podcast was fantastic. Let me do more podcast. Oh, I didn't like 
you know, that DM message <laughs> I had, I'm not going to spend my time wasted in DMs anymore. Right. And listening to yourself, because every single time you do something, you're either going to feel joy or cringe. Right. right. And it's like, if I'm not joy, if this isn't bringing me pleasure, it's not an alignment. Why is it an alignment? Examine it. And just, it doesn't take that long. It sounds like it takes a long time, but it's just looking at it from both ways. So it's like that seven deep flip that I talked about earlier. What happens if I don't do it? What happens if I do do it? How, do I, how does it make me feel? And when you can reverse engineer it and you can plan out, you map it out. And then you just take those one step at a time. It's all it takes. Every single day you make one step. And yeah, the comparison gets us in trouble because, oh, gee, oh, and yeah. I did this today. You get that, the, the green monster comes in the envy monster and, you know, you get jealous of, you know, your, your, your coaches or the people that are in the program the same day as you did. Why are they different? Because they're pursuing, I call it um, being diligent with a spirit of expectancy. And every day I have to tell myself this. Because if I'm, I can get in, like this morning I woke up, I was sad. I was so sad. And at my energy level on a scale of one to 10, it was a one. I had no energy and I was, exa- I was exhausted and I was just so sad. I had to sit with myself and process it. Why am I sad? And I went through this whole thing. And I, after 10 minutes, I was like, okay, what am I going to do to get my energy up now? How am I going to transfer my mood? How do I choose to be today? Today, I choose to be joy fills. What's going to bring me joy. So I started working out. I started journaling. I started doing some exercises that I do um, emotionally and, you know, within a couple hours, but before that I got snarky with my husband, I started crying. I was really frustrated and all this stuff happened, you know, and I took a nice drink of, I do this apple cider vinegar drink in the morning. I took a nice swug of that and I worked out totally lifted. You know, I went from a one to a five. Okay. I can do this. I did not feel joy filled. I had to do some prep before I got on the podcast. I was just like, my thoughts before the podcast were like, why did I schedule this today? I'm so dreading it. Like, I don't want to be peppy and talk and this and that. And I'm an aroma cognitive behavior. I got to get my mood up. Like, how am I going to do it? What oil should I use? And I'm going through all these things. It's like Lisa snap out of it. Really? You love doing podcasts. You love connecting. You love sharing. Like, what is your problem? So I went through this whole thing. I got my oil out and I was just like, okay, what are these thoughts? Let's address them. What was I scared of? And it had nothing to do with the podcast itself. It had to do with the thing that I'm scared about a heart issue that I'm having a medical thing. And um, it had to do with that, but I wouldn't have known that unless I would have done the practice. And again, it took five minutes of just writing down a few thoughts, giving it a number, where in my body do I feel it? And it's so powerful. And I've done it without like the oils. It takes a little bit longer for me. Um, But with the oils, it's like, wow, okay, this is why it's bothering me. And what we end up doing is ignoring those feelings like, oh, they did so much better. They stole my idea. Now, like I'm not succeeding, but they are. And so you've just focused all of your energy that you could have applied to be more successful. And now you're going to go after a different object, a different shiny object, right? right? Well, I'm going to follow this person. I made a decision this year that was not in alignment with me because I was one of those shiny object people. I don't know how many (laughs) free classes I took. I don't know. I don't know how many people will reach out to me about monetizing my podcast and doing it this way. And why don't I do this? And why don't I have that? It's like, it's not your podcast. It's mine. If I resonate with a change, I will make a change, but I don't, I'm not looking for you to coach me on how to do my podcast. And that's what's frustrating. It's like, you know, I know what I want. I know what I'm looking for, 
but unless I write it down and really know and ask myself why I don't. And then I'll, okay. So then I'll spend an hour talking to somebody who's going to pitch me their program. And I'll be like, why am I wasting my time doing this? I could have been reaching out to my clients. I could have been making a move in my business. When I know I'm in alignment, I have a coach. I love my coach. I'm in alignment for my year. So I needed to stop people pleasing. So my underlining thing is to people please. So I made a commitment this week. I am getting rid of, I'm detoxing from relationships that don't serve me. And I'm focusing on what does. And that is really powerful mm-hmm. because you're making a conscious effort, especially like in our being entrepreneurs, we want to connect with everybody. We want to collaborate with everyone. Right. But we don't have enough time in a day to do all this stuff. No, you know? no, we don't. And, uh, you know, and I, uh, I'm, I picked, I picked up a side gig <laughs> as a independent insurance broker, and I'm focusing on helping people with Medicare in the United States get the best health insurance options, because I'm tired of people getting basically screwed over in their insurance because they're paying way too much for stuff that they don't need or have. And when there's an emergency, you know, senior citizens don't have a lot of income. We need to help them. So I have this passion about that. And I'm like, well, I'm going to do that. It's alignment with what I'm doing elsewhere and helping people get a handle on this. Right. So I had to really choose what is it I want to do. And one of the girls um, that's going to be on my podcast, she actually posted something. She's studying to be a massage therapist and she posted, I'm taking a break from my podcast as I needed to align my priorities. I need to focus on my massage therapy school. And from now until September, I'm not going to do any podcast interviews. And it was hard because she loves her podcast, but what mm-hmm. gives, you know, and going through, I, you know, like I tell my clients, make a list of everything you do in a day. You'll be surprised all the things you have to do. Right. What can you, what can you pan out? Like, what can you give away to do or what could not have, what doesn't have to be done every day. And then circle what the top three things, like if you go through them, describe it in a feeling like my podcast brings me joy on a scale of one to 10. How much joy does it bring me a 10? Well, I'm going to circle that anything <laughs> is seven or higher in my list. I'm going to circle. And that's what I'm going to focus on. And maybe, maybe I'll alternate Maybe on Monday and Tuesday, I'll focus on podcasts, but on Wednesday and Thursday, I'll do something else. And having that, you know, we call it block scheduling. We call it, you know, time oh, yeah. chunking our time or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't like those words. It doesn't resonate with who I am as a person. I don't like the word budget. I like systems. So I created oh. systems for myself. Yeah. Because yeah. So systems work for me. I'm like, Oh, is a system. Cool. Is it a challenge? So I like challenges, but I don't like to, I don't like to do things. Don't give me a to-do list. But if you tell me, if you give me a challenge and you tell me I could write a book in 30 days, well, I can outline it in 30 days. I accept that challenge, <laughs> but there's no way I'm writing a book in 30 days. You, and like you said earlier, you need time because it's going to, you might be able to write it in 30 days, but you got to edit it. You got to upload it. You got to, there's, and you know, you're going to rewrite it 30 more times, <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, yes. So yeah, you might be able to write it in 30 days, but it's not going to get published in 30 days. And that's probably the key, but people will play on that. It's just like, Oh, well, I'm a bestseller. Well, you gave your book away for free on Kindle for the first two hours. It was published. Of course you got the number one Amazon bestseller. You're not a number one bestseller though. I mean, that's not, that's false. To me, that's not authenticity. <laughs> I'm all about being authentic. But yeah, I can go yeah. on tangents. That's number one best giver, uh, book giver, wayer, <laughs> not bestseller. 
I like exactly. that. <laughs> oh, and you got a puppy that's sitting on the chair or while laying on the chair behind you. <laughs> yeah, it's my fur baby, Indy. She's uh, she does not leave my side unless there's somebody at the door and then she'll go off and bark. Yep. <laughs> I have a little Chowini named Willie James. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's sitting in the other room. If there's a blanket, that's where he's at. And you or a comfortable <laughs> place to, to curl up under a blanket. That's oh, yeah, I'm chopped awesome. liver if there's a blanket involved. <laughs> Unless there's food. If there's food, then I mean, it's like, oh, hello. <laughs> he's right on <laughs> my feet going, I'm here. <laughs> You're so cute. Look at me. And uh, so, oh my goodness, I just looked at what time it is. <laughs> yeah, we've been talking for a while. We have been talking for a while. So where can people find you on the internet? LisaDrennan.com. So just my name, Lisa D is David, R-E-N-N as a Nancy, O-N as a Nancy.com. And I will have it on the show notes page as well, as well as... Uh, a link to your Amazon page as well. And yeah, you can buy the book from the website too. There's a link for the book on Amazon. Ah, well, then maybe I'll direct that button to to your book on your website because I would yeah. I would like to support you, the writer, and uh, as an independent salesperson, um, and and help you out that way. So is there any pearls of wisdom? I, I mean, this is already so information overload, <laughs> which is great. Absolutely. Because again, I, I wholeheartedly admit I forgiveness is, it's easy for me to forgive others, to, to forgive, not forget, and be able to go into a state of being neutral. Um, and, and I do have a, uh, ability to, um, see things from both perspectives. Don't always agree with it, but I can see it and, and I can understand. And, but where the forgiveness is challenging, which I, you know, my assumption again, is that it is for so many women is that forgiveness of self and men. I, I, you know, I've had a couple of men on this podcast who've talked about uh, deep hearted, you know, at the core level of forgiveness and have had those challenges and, you know, they shared their tools and, and so forth. But uh, anyways, is there a pearl of wisdom that you would like to share uh, with the audience? And I'll let you pick the topic of what area you want to give that wisdom? <laughs> oh, there's so many I can choose from. The I, I think the what impacted me the most that was shared with me is you matter. Oh, and when yes. you can look when you can look at yourself in the mirror and just appreciate yourself and love yourself and understand how much you matter, you can move mountains. Yes. I'm going to just breathe that one in for a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
being able to appreciate ourselves and and see that we matter and who do we matter to the most or should be us mm -hmm. that, that appreciation should be mirrored back on us well thank you lisa i am beyond grateful for all of the wisdom you have shared all of the insights your story uh, it has to have been at the beginning it had to have been difficult to share your story again it's you know those deep dark secrets that we don't want anybody to know about um and that's when we're writing that's when those things come out whatever it is whatever um whatever's in our our past that we want to you know just kind of tuck away <laughs> not yeah. to ever be the power of pen and paper is amazing it is it is the greatest tool we have agreed agreed mm -hmm. So thank you. And thank you. you are so welcome. Before we end our time together, I'd like to say thank you for listening to this powerful conversation about forgiveness with Lisa Drennan. To access Lisa's website and purchase the book she has written, visit pentopaperpress.com backslash podcast and select the show notes page for this episode. To receive future episodes in your inbox, subscribe to the Pen to Paper Press newsletter, and of course, follow the podcast on your favorite application. Take care, and until next time, keep your pen to paper and write. Your words have power. Your story matters. Bye for now.